All right, folks, what's going on? This is Jake. On this week's episode of the Land Podcast, we are doing something way different. I've never done an episode like this, but this weekend I was watching a video on YouTube from CNBC why Bill Gates is buying up farmland. And it was an extremely interesting video that they put together. They talked about how some of the richest people in the country own up to 1% of all of the land here in America. And land prices have seen a strong run here in the last two years, and especially farm ground. And some say it is the original hedge against inflation. And we're going to break this down. And so we're going to roll the audio of this video and we're going to talk about what is extremely interesting and shift sift through some of the stuff that's less interesting. So before we get into it, though, don't forget that the mission of this podcast is to help 100 people buy their first piece of dirt. And you can head over to the link tree and sign up for the resources there. And we're going to be giving you exclusive resources on how to help navigate these waters. And we're going to have some more experts here and first time land buyers in the very near future. So we hope you guys enjoy that. So let's go ahead. Let's get right into this video slash audio and learn about why everyone that's extremely wealthy is buying a ton of ground. Here we go. Bill Gates owns more land than all of the entire city of New York. Jeff Bezos's land is double the amount, clocking in at 420,000 acres. John Malone, the largest private landowner in America, owns 2.2 million acres all by himself, a landmass slightly smaller than the island of Puerto Rico. Now, if you're like me, you're probably wondering how John made all of his fortune, and actually, he made it in the media tycoon building the company Telecommunications Inc., or TCI, and acting as CEO before selling it to AT&T for $50 billion in 1999. Malone's 2.2 million acres are largely located in Maine, New Mexico, Colorado, and Wyoming, and include profitable cattle ranches. America is enormous, yet 100 of the richest and largest private landowners in America own 1.86% of all the land available in the United States, the majority of their land being forests, ranches, and farmland. Some people like myself find farms beautiful and peaceful and a nice place to live. Land is only getting more valuable. In the mid-1990s, Farmland was valued at less than $1,500 an acre, adjusted for inflation. By 2020, that number had grown to $3,160 an acre. Now, I will just make a quick commentary that I think it's a little unfair that they kind of cherry-picked the returns from 1990 because the 80s were horrendous for farmers, especially in the mid-80s as interest rates were absolutely astronomical and farm ground actually saw a pretty good... Um, drawback according to uh, farm doc daily from illinois.edu and 85 saw a 25 percent change in drop the following year in 86 saw a 10 percent drop so farm ground lost almost 35 percent of its value in just two years so obviously it was going to recoup that at some point but regardless um very interesting it's expensive so if somebody is desiring land it is primarily people of wealth who can afford it Institutional capital is growing and it's becoming a bigger piece of the market. It's about a $3 trillion asset class when you look at the whole U.S. However, not everyone is benefiting from the rise in farmland prices. It's going to continue to be harder for farmers, um, for beginning farmers uh, like myself. If prices continue to go up, um, everything's going up. 
Land is critical and it's it's the center of how we survive and and persist as communities and as people. And farmland in the US is something that we don't think about that often. So why are the ultra wealthy investing in farmland and what impact will it have on the agricultural industry? In 2020, Bill Gates made headlines for becoming the largest private farmland owner in the U.S. He had accumulated more than 269,000 acres of farmland across 18 states in less than a decade, shielding his purchase by buying up land through shell companies. Why? It's a good economic investment. That land has always been something that the ultra-wealthy people of real means have, have desired. It has great intrinsic value. Beyond that, it is a limited resource. Um, they're not creating any more of it, and in fact, quite the opposite. We lose farmland all the time. In the United States, we're losing farmland at a rate of about 2,000 acres a day. So that stat is absolutely astonishing. So that's almost three miles every single day. You extend that out, that's 770,000 acres that we're losing every single year due to development. It is not only more and more important over time, but we have less and less of it. So it's an asset with increasing value. Farmland values began rising in 1988. And except for the single-year declines in 2009 and 2016, values have seen a steady increase over the years. In the mid-1990s, farmland was valued at less than $1,500 an acre. By 2020, that number had grown to $3,160 an acre. It's, it's not correlated with the stock market and other major asset classes. And so people like that diversification. And it's, it's been a very stable performer. If you go back to COVID when the stock market, you know, lost 10, 20, 30, 40 percent um, at the beginning of COVID, you don't wake up and find out that your farmland's worth 50 cents on the dollar the next day. Bill Gates is not the only one eyeing this investment. In 2011, the top 100 largest private landowners owned about 32.7 million acres of land across the United States. Today, that number has grown to over 42.1 million acres, roughly the size of Florida and Connecticut combined. His farmland grows onions, carrots, and even potatoes that are used to make McDonald's french fries. Thomas Peterfy is the 17th largest private landowner in the U.S., owning 581,000 acres. The reason I own uh, lands in the Midwest is because these are agricultural lands, right? And that's where the farms are, right? I'm not farming in Boston. If someone is really interested in acquiring a piece of land, and with farmers, once you own one parcel, you often want to own the parcels that are adjacent to it. So if you can make those purchases quietly, it might be a far more successful way to make those purchases um, economically. That is something that I certainly see in recreational as well and have heard about it where people come in, buy a large parcel and slowly piece everything together. And uh, I mean, Bill Winkie talks about how he pieced together a, a large farm and 
pay slightly above market value to make it happen. And farm ground is certainly no different. It's probably even more competitive as uh, neighbors are usually who's buying up any parcel that comes up, whether it's at auction or if it's a private sale. They are not one large transaction. There were several smaller pieces and they were usually purchased at auction. The vast majority of the land held by the largest private landowners are forests, ranches, and farmlands, located in states west of the Mississippi River, with few exceptions like Maine and Florida. When we think about farmland, we think about um, the Midwest being, you know, the, the most fertile, most valuable farmland in the world. And I liken it to being the, the Manhattan of, of farmland when you look at Iowa, Illinois, those types of regions. But then when you look at California, California and the Pacific Northwest up in Washington and Oregon and the Mississippi Delta, those are some other major regions that you'll see a lot of that major capital playing in. And that's where the agricultural productivity is. Today, the U.S. Department of Agriculture estimates that 30% of all farmland is owned by landlords who don't farm themselves. Buyers often purchase land from farmers who have owned it for decades, many of whom are asset rich, but maybe cash poor. The way the market works is the land transitions primarily to the people who will pay the most money for it. So a lot of farmland gets purchased by non-farmers. I think many farmers would like to see their land remain in agricultural production, would like to sell it to another farmer, but the economic realities for them are typically that they've spent their life farming, their retirement, their equity is all in the land and tied up in selling land. Institutional capital is growing and it's becoming a bigger piece of the market. And it is part of that wealth transfer that's happening when you look at the demographics behind who owns farmland. A profit can also be made by utilizing the land in numerous ways. Approximately 39% of the 911 million acres of farmland across the U.S. is rented out to farmers. And 80% of that rented farmland is owned by landlords who don't farm themselves. For a lot of non-farmers who purchase property, they may then hire somebody to farm the property for them. They may lease the property to be farmed by others. And leasing is actually often a very good strategy for farmers if it's a well-structured lease. What we're seeing right now um, on Midwest cropland cap rates, it's close to two and a half right now. And so, um, you know, you go buy a farm and, and you, you know, you put that cash rental lease in place, you're going to be looking at about a two and a half percent return on your capital. And just to interject here real quick, that is based off of just the cash rent only. Obviously, the land is going to be appreciated as well. So if you see a six percent roughly return on the farm ground, then you're looking at about eight and a half return in total. The jury is out on whether private landowners are a force for good or bad for agriculture. But more farmland is expected to make its way to the market in the future. When you look at the demographics around who owns land, uh, it's impractical to think that farmers are going to buy every acre that uh, transitions over the next 20 years. We think uh, in some form or fashion, about 50% of the farmland in the U.S. will turn over over the next 25 years. Well, at this time, I would say that the jury is out on whether or not large purchases by the ultra wealthy is a good or a bad thing. But I honestly do believe that having large land 
owners with the ability to look long term at the land and do what's right by the land and maybe be in a position to, say, lease the land uh, to incoming farmers at affordable rates, that could all be positive. Um, and so I'm hopeful it can be that. There are fewer and fewer farmers with every U.S. ag census, and there are a slight increase in the number of young farmers, but really at this point not enough to replace the farmers who are leaving the industry. So we need more young farmers and we really need to support them by making access to land possible. All right, there you guys have it. Thanks for tuning in this week's episode of the Land Podcast. If you want to check out the video where we grab this from, head over to the description and you can watch it. I suggest doing so. It gives the titles of everyone that spoke in this video. And I think it's important to zoom out and look at the entire land market. Obviously, we typically talk a little bit more about recreational parcels in relation to hunting, but I think it is extremely important to recognize that farmland is one of the major driving factors of this industry. And although farmland and recreational ground are two different sectors, there are a lot of similarities. And obviously, a lot of these recreational pieces do have farm ground on it. So regardless, hope you guys enjoyed it. It is a crazy time. And I've been seeing a lot more of seed type funding for buying farms. There's a program called Acre Trader. And they have a really interesting white paper. And we'll probably cover that in the future as well. Because I think they do a really good job of breaking down the assets class of farming so hope you guys enjoy it trying something a little bit different here next week we're going to have an industry expert talk about buying recreational ground and learning from all of the buyers and sellers he's dealt with over the years so we hope you guys tune in and until next time have a wonderful week talk to you soon see ya